so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning to the 44th episode of Working with the Word. Today, we are starting a new inductive study series on the Gospel of John. As we've been looking to apply the things we've talked about all the way back in the beginning of our program, these things like observation, interpretation, and application, we want to do so by practically looking at books of the Bible and seeing how we would use those things. So, Emerson and I are trying to remind ourselves of things we talked about in those episodes and use those things too. So today our focus is to open our eyes into looking at this gospel. We want to do so by just looking at some overviews of some important things you'll need to know as you're getting into this book. And we'll ask you to do the same thing. Consider what you know about this book here at the end of our program. But the main focus of today is going to be looking through John 1 through John 4. But before we start at the beginning, we need to actually start at the end. Let's read John chapter 20, verse 30 and verse 31 to see John's reason for writing. This is John 20, verse 30 through 31. The majority of the times we're reading from text will be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It says in John 20, 30 and 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Emerson, what's so important about these two verses at the end of the book, and why do we need to start here at the end rather than at the beginning? Well, one of the reasons is because anytime you've got an author who says, this is why I'm writing this, (laughs) that should kind of set the stage for everything that he records or everything that he writes. You look for those purpose statements when we're opening our eyes. I think we talked about that when we uh, were actually talking about observation Look for those purpose statements, underline them, highlight them. So here John gives us his purpose statement. He's writing these things so that we may believe Mm -hmm. that Jesus is the Christ. And if we believe, then we will have life in his name. So there's a little bit of a question here about, is John talking about so that we may come? To believe, kind of, is, is he writing from an evangelistic standpoint? Is he wanting to create faith in people who don't have faith at all? Like someone taking the first step to trust and obey Jesus? Or is he writing so that we may continue to believe? Is he writing to those of us who already believe, and we just need to build up our faith where it's weak? There's a question there. And I think regardless of what John intended, John ends up doing both of those. Mm -hmm. He can lead people to believe, but he also builds up our faith and elevates our view of Jesus and our understanding of Jesus. And so at the end of the day, both of those lead us to the same point, right? Right. That we will believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So John writes about Jesus so that we may believe. And it's helpful to kind of step back and zoom out to see how he organizes his material here in John. There's, there are several sections, and there's one outline that I've run across that's been really helpful for me. I'll credit Merrill Tenney for this, for this helpful outline. It's been helpful for me. Hopefully, it'll be helpful for you. 
So in this, just a very general sense, in John chapters 1 through 4, you've got a period of consideration of Jesus. So basically, Jesus is putting himself out there. He is presenting himself to the world, uh, to different kinds of people. We'll read today that he presents himself at a, a Jewish wedding feast, and then he presents himself to Nicodemus, and then to the Samaritan woman. So different kinds of people from different backgrounds and that sort of thing. The period of consideration. That leads to chapters 5 and 6, which is a period of controversy, where people begin to not necessarily like what Jesus is doing. And that begins in chapter 5, when Jesus heals the man on the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, the Jewish authorities take issue with that. And in chapter 6, even some of his disciples take issue with what he's teaching, so they walk away. So that naturally is going to lead to conflict in chapters 7 through 11. And here's just kind of an extended dialogue between Jesus and the Jews who are antagonistic or, or either not so sure about who Jesus is. And so Jesus argues with them. He debates them and he presents truths before them. And that ends with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. You would think that that miracle would be sufficient to kind of seal in people's minds who Jesus is if he can raise someone from the dead. But what it does is it further pushes the those that do not believe in him, it pushes them away. And they begin to plot to kill him and destroy him. So that leads to chapter 12, the period of crisis, where Jesus comes to terms with the fact that his plan is to die. He's come for that purpose. The time has come, he says in chapter 12. And so before he goes to the cross, in chapters 13 through 17, he sits with his disciples and he has this period of conference. And he talks with them about what's going to happen. He prepares them. He teaches them. He washes the disciples' feet famously in chapter 13. In chapter 17, he prays this prayer asking God to protect his disciples, to help those that would believe through the disciples, that would be even us today, mm -hmm. who believe in Jesus through their teaching. And then that leads to the period of consummation. When God's plan comes to fruition, Jesus is arrested, he is led to the cross, he is crucified, buried, and then three days later he rises again and he appears to the disciples in a in a body, you know, in a resurrected body. And so you've got these periods where Jesus presents himself to the world, leading to controversy. Absolutely. And of course, if you are a person who is fond of alliteration, all those C's will be helpful for us to remember. That's probably a lot more than the more broken outline and random words I would pick. So we appreciate having stuff like that and, and other people who do work that we can borrow and find helpful in our own study and recognition of the word. So at this time, what we're going to do is spend some time in observation, just opening our eyes to listen and to see what God has to say, as we've done in other times, like when we've gone through Titus, when we've gone through Zephaniah. If you have the opportunity right now to sit and to follow along with us for about the next 
18 to 20 minutes. You can have your Bible open to John chapter 1. Emerson's going to be reading those first two chapters. I'm going to be reading chapters 3 and 4. But we want to just take note and really try to pay attention to what is it that John is saying to those that he wants to believe, to those he wants to grow in their belief and in their faith. And this is one time that we'll read. We'll encourage you to continue to read John as we'll be going through this inductive study series. But let's have our eyes and our minds prepared to get into the Word and see what John has to say. Emerson, I'm going to turn it over to you for John chapter 1 and 2. Okay. This is from the Christian Standard Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. This was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. What then, they asked him, are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who send us. What can you tell us about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked him, Why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. All this happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. 
After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water, so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, The one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus responded to him, Do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, Truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, They don't have any wine. What has this concern of yours to do with me? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. When the head waiter tasted the water after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, he called the groom and told him, Everyone sets out the fine wine first, then, after people are drunk, the inferior. But you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee. 
He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum together with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they stayed there only a few days. The Jewish Passover was near, and so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changer sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changer's coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews replied to him, What sign will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore the Jews said, This temple took forty-six years to build, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. While he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all, and because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I had told you about the earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one whom descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, 
because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside, where he spent time with them and baptized. John also was baptizing in Anion near Salem, because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and being baptized, since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then a dispute arose between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about, who was with you across the Jordan, is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. John responded, No one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens to him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For the one whom God sent speaks God's word, since he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property of Jacob that had been given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water, so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go to your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews say there is a place to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. 
We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus said to them. Don't you say, There are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I am telling you. Open your eyes to look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor for. Others have labored, and you have benefited from their labor. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she had testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. He stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. After two days, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival, for they had gone to their festival. He went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned water to wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. This man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee. He went to him and pleaded with him to come down and to heal his son, since he was about to die. Jesus told him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, Come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his servants met him saying the boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized that was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, Your son will live. So he himself believed, along with his whole household. Now this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. So I was reminded as we were reading through that, that there's so much value in in just reading large chunks together and and hearing it maybe with, with fresh ears, seeing it with fresh eyes. A lot of times we get so familiar with some of the stories of the Bible and there's a lot of familiar stories there, even in those four chapters. The woman at the well, you know, Jesus turning water to wine, e- even the, some of the passages there when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. 
But seeing where all of that comes in the whole story of the Gospel of John is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And as we read, try to remember what you're looking for. You're looking for things that that surprise you, things that maybe you didn't expect, maybe things that you are familiar with, but maybe there's a connection that you see it in a different light. Look for those kinds of things. And as we read through chapters one through four today, one of the big things that we took away from it as we were preparing this episode is how many firsts there are. Mm -hmm. And in, in this period of consideration, Jesus is, is just presenting himself to the world. Here I am, but not in a, like, look at me, I'm drawing attention to myself way. He just kind of appears on the scene kind of subtly. John is the one who draws attention to him. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what are some of the firsts that we see here in John chapters 1 through 4? And we see God come in the flesh. We know that God has been working throughout the whole Old Testament, but here is something where in that first section of John chapter 1, we see God has arrived in human form. We see Jesus' first disciples being called in chapter 1, and more of those disciples talked about in chapter 2. We see his first miracles, or as you'll notice as John talks about them, his signs that Jesus does, that people will believe in him. You see just other key words kind of apart from the first for a second, words like come. How often were people invited to just see Jesus, to see what he was doing or to listen to him? How many times did you see the word believe? This person believed or people are being encouraged to believe. Those are important things that we'll notice and see, not just in these first four chapters, but throughout the book. We see Jesus's first confrontation, like we mentioned with in chapter two, those who are questioning Jesus. What are you doing? What's the purpose of all these signs? Why are you driving people out of the temple right now? And Jesus is trying to explain that people don't understand. We see some of Jesus's first intimate conversations with people, not necessarily calling groups of people to come be, believe him, not with religious leaders that he's in contention with, but just individuals like Nicodemus, individuals like the Samaritan woman, he's having these conversations with them and it's getting them to open their eyes to try to believe in what he is talking about. And it's amazing to see, we'll get more into that as we get into some of those chapters, but the similarities, but also the differences between, here you have a religious leader and teacher of the Jewish thought and process and religion, and here you have the Samaritan woman who, they share some things, but are very different and how they are responding to Jesus and what they're taking away from their conversations with Jesus. Lots of great things, important things, some interesting things too here in this first section of John. But what we want to challenge you, similar to what we did with Zephaniah, we want to challenge you to think about the book of John. What do you know about this book? As you're thinking about John, are there verses you remember? You may have noticed in, when we were reading in John chapter 3, the Christian Standard Bible puts John 3.16 a little bit differently than probably what a lot of translators do, but I bet you maybe know that verse. Maybe you already knew about John chapter three or John chapter 20, 30, and 31. Passages like John 14, early on in the uh, chapter, like verse 3, where Jesus talks about going to a place to prepare. I won't spoil much more, but think about some of the things that you know. So that way, as we finish this study, you can go back and look at how you've grown in your own knowledge of things you've come to understand about the book of John. Thank you for listening to Working with the Word today. Next week, we'll jump into chapter one and we'll dive into a little bit more depth about the prologue and the introduction of 
Jesus. I want to remind you to keep sending in those difficult passages to us. We're going to sprinkle those in from time to time. If you think about passages that are difficult for you, send those to us, and we'll try to tackle them in a future episode. Until then, if there are questions or topics or books of the Bible you would like for us to cover in future episodes, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity.